Join me in John chapter 10. We are back in John chapter 10 this Sunday, part two of our series, The Good Shepherd. And as we begin, I just want to say that I, I, think, I think we would all agree that uh, we, are, we are at a time in our country, in our society, where we are starving for, for good leadership. I think we would agree on that. Yeah, there's a, there's a leadership crisis, isn't there? And, and there are a number of levels we could talk about in which we see this, this crisis of leadership playing out. The one that comes to mind, first of all, for me and probably the rest of you, is in the area of politics. We think of political leaders and what's happening with regard to them, and it's not always encouraging. It's often, it's often discouraging, isn't it? And, and I've thought, and probably you've thought this way, it's almost... Um, while it's a blessing to have technology and social media, it's almost a curse as well, isn't it? Because we, we just know too much, it seems like, about these people, about these men and women in powerful positions of leadership. We know so much about them personally. Are you with me in missing the good old days when growing up in elementary school you'd learn about the historical figures, the founding fathers, the George Washingtons, Thomas Jeffersons, you hear about other icons of our history, Martin Luther King Jr., and Abraham Lincoln, people like that, and, and we knew maybe a little bit about them personally, but most of all, we knew what they accomplished, what they stood for, what they did, but we didn't get constant glimpses into their personal lives. We didn't have them tweeting or, I guess, Xing, whatever Elon Musk turned it into, Xing or videos that are out. We didn't, we didn't get this constant glimpse into like who they are, the, all the flaws and imperfections and foibles of who they are, but we are constantly today barraged when it comes to the leaders that in one sense we look up to, in another sense we just see this, this constant array of flaws and sins and failures, and so it's challenging. So we think about it on that level, and in, in clear moments, I think about it with regard to myself. Look, I can't, uh, I can't control what's happening out there. I certainly would never want to be a politician, uh, but I have my little spheres of influence, and you have yours. In my case, a dad, a pastor, counselor, been a coach before. So I have these different roles of leadership. You have different roles of leadership. Even, even uh, young people, teenagers in here, you may be a big brother or a big sister. There's all different forms of leadership. And so to think most clearly and most beneficially, we can think about, okay, how, how, what about me? What about my leadership? And, and, and as with these other public figures, we would all have to admit that while we want to improve, we want to do a good job in our leadership roles, we too are mortal. We too have flaws. We have imperfections of all kinds. That is part of our life experience in this world. It's inescapable. It's undeniably true. And these are all little reminders that we need, we need a higher leader. We need a righteous leader. We need a leader who is humble and wise and truthful and helpful in every way. A leader who is the perfect balance of toughness and tenderness, the perfect balance of discipline and correction, but also encouragement and affirmation. We need a leader like that, don't we? And the Bible upholds for us Jesus as that kind of leader. And in John chapter 10, this is our second week considering Jesus as the good shepherd. And what's interesting about this is, this is another one of those leadership titles of Jesus, but it's kind of an unlikely title because you think of Jesus' titles as Lord, King, Rabbi even, Messiah, high priest, all these lofty titles, and we think of shepherd, and it's a little different in that it's, it's kind of, if those are lofty and majestic titles, this one is a little bit more down and dirty, isn't it? 
This one's a little more blue-collar. speaks to where Jesus meets us in the middle of our mess. And as we talked about last week, and we'll recap a little bit this morning, summarize a little bit this morning, this idea of us as sheep. So let's do this. Let's read the passage. We're going to go to verse 11, some, from verse 1 to verse 11. And we're going to notice some of these attributes or characteristics of Jesus as our good shepherd. We have a number of them we'll look at, a few this morning and then a few next week. But let's read the passage to get started, and then we'll say a few things just to get our minds thinking along the lines of sheep for a moment, so we'll say a few things about that as well. But let's read the passage beginning in verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand those things which he had been saying to them. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So again, in this scenario, Jesus, of course, is the shepherd, and we are the sheep, aren't we? And just a little reminder of what we looked at last week for those who weren't with us. We had all these different characteristics of sheep. They all begin with D, just kind of happened that way. The first one being, just as a reminder, sheep are directionless. They don't have that internal navigation system. They're directionless. They need to be led. I read recently about a sheep that the shepherd was looking for and found the sheep just walking in circles. Just circles, 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 circles. Just lost and walking in circles. Like, Completely in need of help, directionless. They're also defenseless. Sheep are defenseless. We know sheep don't have horns or sharp claws or sharp teeth. They, they're, they're not ferocious. They don't growl or roar. They can't intimidate. You're, um, you, you're never going to see a sports team with a mascot of a sheep. Not gonna ha- you're not going to see the Los Angeles lambs. That was... That was my best attempt at a dad joke. You, you're not going to see the Los Angeles lambs. They just, they're just not imposing creatures at all. They're defenseless. They need to be defended. They need a shepherd to watch over them, to protect them. And we are like them, and, and we'll talk about the ways in which we are like them. They are also dependent. They, they just simply cannot provide for themselves. They cannot even find food for themselves. There could be a green pasture right nearby and they wouldn't make their way over to it. There could be a stream of clean water right near them and they wouldn't make their way over to it. They need help. They need to be led. They need to be taken care of. They're dependent creatures. They're also dirty creatures. And when you see them out in the, in the wild or if you see them on a farm, usually they're not bright white. Contrary to the little white cotton balls we used as kids in Sunday school class to make the little lamb, they're not like that. They're usually filthy and dirty and gnarly and nasty. That's what sheep are like. That's what we are like. In a very real sense, spiritually speaking, that's what we are like. And I'm going to add one more that we didn't really talk about last week, kind of relates to all of them, but, but sheep are dumb. They're just dumb. 
Some of you may have seen the video that went viral years ago. The video begins and you see this guy pulling on the leg of a sheep that is stuck and he's wedged in this little like ditch or a crevice. He's just wedged in there and the guy is pulling and pulling and pulling and finally gets the sheep out of there and he runs forward in excitement. He's finally free. He bounds forward, jumps, pounces, then he just goes zoom, and just jumps right back in. Wedges himself right back in there. Like three seconds later, he's back. Sheep are dumb. Sounds like our lives a little bit, doesn't it? Why, how, did I, how did I get here again? Why am I in this mess again? Same old mistakes, same old ways of thinking and operating, right? Okay, so now I've insulted you, so let's, uh, so let's, uh, let's get started. You are, you are a sheep, but Jesus loves you, and that's where we're going this morning to talk about Jesus as our shepherd and his care in our lives. And first of all, I want to highlight this idea. We said a little bit about it last week, but there's so much more that can be said, and we won't even, even today, we won't get through all of it because there's so much we could say about this. But Jesus calls his sheep. Jesus calls his sheep. We see that in verses 3 through 5. To him the doorkeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his sheep, and he calls them by name and leads them out. He goes ahead of them. They follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow strangers, but they follow him. In those days, in biblical times, it was common for, for multiple different herds of sheep to be kept in one area. And so what happened was the different shepherds to whom those sheep belonged would come through and they would speak to those sheep or they would play a little instrument, a little flute or a little, uh, a little reed pipe. They would play and the, and the sheep would know that distinct sound that they would come out. They would come to their shepherd. I read this fascinating story. This happened in the 1980s. Listen to this. It happened in Palestine. It says, during the Palestinian uprising in the late 80s, the Israeli army decided to punish a village near Bethlehem for not paying their taxes. The officer in command rounded up all the village animals and placed them in a large barbed wire, barbed wire pen. Later in the week, he was approached by a woman who begged him to release her flock, arguing that since her husband was dead, the animals were her only source of livelihood. So she desperately needed these animals. They were her assets. He pointed to the pen containing hundreds of animals and humorously quipped that it was impossible because he could not find her animals. She asked that if she could in fact separate them herself, would he be willing to let her take them? He agreed. A soldier opened the gate and the woman's son produced a small reed flute. He played a simple tune again and again, and soon sheep heads began popping up across the pen. The young boy continued his music and walked home, followed by his flock of exactly 25 sheep. Trained to hear, knew that specific sound, that little instrument that the little boy played, and they followed because they know the sound. And this passage is telling us that we as Jesus' sheep know the sound of his voice. The unmistakable unique sound of Jesus' voice. And we could take this kind of a, a mystical direction, but that's not the intention here. This is not just, okay, what do you feel? Or what kind of warm fuzzies do you get? Or anything like that. This is really more concrete in terms of what types of things does Jesus say? One of the songs we just finished singing highlighted this idea of coming to him when we're thirsty, coming to him when we're hungry. We've been seeing throughout John's gospel that he upholds himself as living bread and living water for our souls. So when we sense that deep emptiness within, the, the echo within our empty soul left to ourselves, there just isn't satisfaction in this life. There just isn't enough of whatever the pleasures we seek 
whether those be irreligious pleasures or religious pleasures, we just can never get quite enough. And Jesus once again speaks to us this truth, and it resonates at the deepest level of our being when he says, I'm your living bread, I'm your living water, I'm the one you need the most. I'm the one who made you, I'm the one who knows you better than you know yourself, and I know what you need, and I've given you adequate provisions for your life, and I, myself, and your relationship with your Heavenly Father through me, that's enough for you. So that voice that speaks to the deepest parts of our hearts and it resonates and it rings true and we say yes. And we say yes, I'm, I, we can admit I'm a sheep. I'm dumb. I'm defenseless. I'm directionless. I get myself dirty. I'm dependent. I need you. So we hear that voice through all the chatter and all the commotion of everything that's said out there and every, even the things that just swirl around in our own minds that come from our own ways of thinking. But we hear his voice and we say, yeah, that's, that's true. Yes, that is true. And he is the shepherd I need. And, and notice with regard to this, it also says he, he calls them. There's this idea of this unique voice. And then it says he, he knows them by their, or he calls them by their name. You know, being, being a shepherd back then, I suppose today as well, could be, could be a lonely kind of job. Out there by yourself, tending these animals all day. And while it was a, a business relationship, these were the shepherd's assets. While that's the case, there were times when the shepherd would develop bonds with these creatures and even, even affection for them. And would call them by name, like giving them pet names. And this too is, is an illustration for us of the, the personal care of Jesus in our lives. I, I say it a lot. I think last week I said it. Pastor Rob says it a lot. God knows us better than we know ourselves, and that's a good thing. Throughout Scripture, you see God giving people names or changing their names because he knows the, the essence of who someone is. He knows the essence of who you are, who I am, better than we even know it. Is this personal touch Earlier in John's Gospel, in chapter 1, Jesus has begin, he's begun his public ministry. And at one point, Philip grabs his friend Nathaniel and says, you've got you to come meet this guy. You're not going to believe this. You've got to come hear him. You've got to see him. So Philip brings Nathaniel to him. And as they're approaching, Jesus essentially says, oh, I know you. I know you, Nathaniel. I, I saw you before Philip even brought you to me. I saw you when you were under the fig tree. And Nathaniel is amazed because they weren't anywhere near each other. He's like, how do you know me? In the same way that he knows us. He's known you from before the foundation of the world. He knew who your parents would be. He knew where you would grow up. He knew what your life experiences would be. He knew what your strengths and weaknesses would be. He knew what even what all, the, all, the, all the sins, the, the innumerable sins that all of us can be. He knew all of that. And calls us by name and loves us and cherishes us and says we belong to him and we're part of his fold and we're valuable to him. And he has not, like the shepherd in those days didn't, didn't have to name the sheep. He wanted to. And similarly with Christ, like he, he loves us, wants to be in relationship with us. And that's amazing considering, considering his independence in terms of God, the Father, Son, and Spirit needing nothing from from us, but yet creating us and tending to us and caring for us. And it's truly amazing. Later in the chapter, he says uh, something similar. My sheep, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they 
follow me. This is our God. This is our Savior, Jesus, our great shepherd who knows us, who calls us and calls us by name. Well, secondly, I want us to consider Jesus leading his sheep. This too is in verses 3 through 5, mentioned a few times, specifically the end of verse 3 where it says after he calls us by name, it says he leads us out. And I want you to notice here in verse 4, he puts forth all his own and he goes ahead of them. He goes ahead of them. Have you ever been in a situation where you have some kind of leader over you? Maybe a supervisor at work or someone else that you're reporting to. And they are happy to stand back and bark out orders from the back, from the rear. They're telling you what you ought to do. They may even say something like this, do as I say, not as I do. Or if they don't say it, you can sense that they're thinking it. And you've experienced the frustration of that. It's like they haven't walked a mile in my shoes. They don't know what it's like to beat me. But they keep leading gladly from behind. Again, just barking out orders. Well, Jesus says, I go ahead of my sheep. In, uh, in the West here, I'm told, I, I've been admitting to you the past weeks, I am not a sheepologist or an expert by any stretch, but I have Google and I have books. And I've been learning about these sheep. And uh, I have learned that uh, in the West... Sometimes shepherds will drive their sheep from behind or from the side. But in the east and in Israel in those days, they would. They would go out in front of them. And they would talk to them, communicate with them. And knowing that voice, the sheep would just follow in line and follow the instructions of the shepherd. But the shepherd was going before them and in the terrain and in the experiences and looking for wolves and looking for threats and dangers and looking for pits and holes and all those things. Just, just going before them and, and even experiencing that part of the journey before his sheep had to experience it. And this is Christ. This is why he came. This is why he came in the flesh to live in our place, to experience every form of temptation, human weaknesses, says in Hebrews that, that he suffered all those things all the ways that we suffer them, and yet without sin, right? Without sin. So that, little spoiler alert here, but so that he might become the spotless lamb, so that the shepherd might become the sheep to be sacrificed for us. So he goes before. And, and the value of this, the condescension of this, to think the God who created all things entered his creation in this way is truly astounding. It really is, and it's easy to kind of blow by this. But again, in the sense of our, our understanding of leadership and valuing leadership, I want to put it in these terms. There's a, there's a show that Jill and I watched years ago. Some of you may have seen it. I think it's still on. It's a reality show. It's called Undercover Boss. Some of you have seen that show? Undercover Boss. And a lot of episodes, and every episode is pretty similar, at least the ones I've seen quite a few, and they're pretty similar. The, the basic premise is this. You've you got some big, successful corporation worth a lot of money. And they have all these different locations. And the CEO of the company puts on a disguise and then goes and enters the workforce in one of their locations as just a clerk or an entry-level worker. And then the CEO spends time there in disguise, not known, and just does the normal grunt work in the trenches with the commoners, experiencing what they experienced. And then the way the show typically goes is the climax tends to be Later in the show, the boss reveals himself, takes the costume off, and says, hey, this is who I am. And, there, and then there's this moment of, wow, what is, what, why would you do that? And then, and then he reveals, wow, you know what, I've, I see what you've been going through. 
And usually he'll say something like, I want to reward you, I want to give you a raise, or I'm going to give you a scholarship or a promotion. And there's these sweet moments, and the reason that show is popular is because humanly we know there's something appropriate about a kind of leadership that gets in there with you, that gets in the junk with you, that doesn't just stand from a distance and bark out orders or criticisms, or you should do this, or you should do that, but is right there with you in the stuff. We know that. We know that that's... That's an attribute of leadership that is valuable and unique and special. And it all points forward to Christ's leadership, his perfect leadership. I said earlier that we have, these, we have this curse kind of of seeing through the leaders around us and knowing, seeing too much of their personal lives and all their foibles and all that stuff. And in some ways that is a curse, but in some ways it's a blessing because it points us to our utter need for a better leader. And in Scripture, we find that better leader, the ultimate leader, the perfect leader, the righteous one, the just one, Jesus. So he leads. He leads us, and, and, and we need him to lead us. We're, we're so often deceived. We don't see things as they are. And we get ourselves into trouble as a result of that. We either don't have the capacity to understand, or maybe we do, but because of some desire we have, we're blinded by desire, and so we're just not seeing things as they really are. I'm thinking of um, just recently, my daughter Juliana said, Dad, you guys see this video. It's a little video, and it has a, a, man, a guy, I think it's a dad, sitting with his son across the table. His son looks like he's maybe four or five years old. And he says, all right, son, I've got a deal for you. I'm going to put two things in front of you, and you get to choose which one you want. And he puts in front of him, Two stacks of cash on one side and says, son, this is $10,000. And then on the other side, he puts two Oreo cookies. He says, all right, son, which one do you want? And right away, the little boy is reaching for the Oreos. And his dad's like, wait, hold on. You sure? He's like, that's $10,000, and those are Oreo cookies. He's like, yeah, dad, I, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. You sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Okay, go ahead. So he takes the cookies. It's like, I know it's real. It's not TikTok. It it definitely happened. It's a real thing. You can trust it. But just a little illustration. It's so silly, right, and simple, but aren't we all so easily misled? Like our value system gets completely flipped upside down. The things that we're so preoccupied with are so often of such little worth, and the things that are worth the most, just almost nothing to us. So often. We need to be led. We need someone who knows better. We need someone to lead us to the truth. And that's what Christ is up to in our lives. He's the good shepherd who leads from the front, who meets us where we are, who goes before us. In all these different ways, he is the shepherd who will become a sheep, a lamb led to slaughter. He knows that one day we will die. He knows that one day this mortal body will expire. And so he goes before us. And he endures that himself. He goes before us as the pure, spotless lamb, the sinless one, as our sacrifice, so that his blood being shed can assure us that our sins are forgiven, that we belong to our Father, that we are sheep in his fold, and you're not going to disqualify yourself from that fold. You're just in. And he knows how dependent you are and how dumb you are and how dirty you are and how defenseless you are and how directionless you are. He knows all that. 
and he loves you, and he has you, and he's committed to you. And unlike earthly leaders, his commitment is resilient. His commitment is omnipotently strong and determined. He will take care of us. This is where in chapter, uh, same chapter, later verse, but verse 28 says, I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one. There's nothing to lose in his care. He's got us secure in him. Okay, one last characteristic of Christ as our good shepherd this morning. He provides for his sheep. He provides for us. We see this in verses 7 through 11. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Here, he uses this metaphor of a door. He refers to himself as the door. And you might say, well, which is it? Is he the shepherd or is he the door? Well, he's both. And in reality, shepherds in those days often acted as doors. They would sleep right in the opening of the the pen there. So in the morning when it was time to get up, they would get up and they would lead the sheep out and go before them and they would spend the day out there in the pastures and doing whatever sheep and shepherds do and then they would come back. And at the door as they're coming back, he would also do this. He would examine each sheep. So as they're coming in, he would stop them one by one, putting his staff in front of them, just blocking the door, and one by one examine them, and then let it in, examine, and let it in. And this is part of the shepherd care of his sheep, knowing the details, if there was some injury, if there was some sore he had to tend to, if there was some kind of discipline that he needed to exact, it would happen there in that moment of that scrutiny of the shepherd knowing his sheep Loving his sheep, tending to, caring for his sheep. And then at the end of the night, of course, when he would lay down across the doorway, it was kind of like saying, well, if you're going to get to these sheep, you've got to go through me first. It was that protection, that kind of care. And so he says, if anyone enters through me, verse 9, he will be saved, rescued, secured, could say safe. It's all this talk about safety. Ever since COVID, more than ever, talk about safety. This is the, the most lasting, the most beneficial, the most real kind of safety. Safety in a spiritual sense. Safety of knowing that we belong to Him. And, and He says that we have that kind of safety in this relationship of Him saving us and us being saved. And along with that, there's the idea of going out, and finding pasture, feeding us. Jesus is committing to feeding his people. He has fed us through his word, through his truth that is accessible to us. We all have probably physical Bibles and Bibles on our phones and our tablets, and we have access to the feeding that way. And we're also fed through fellowship and times at church and other, even sometimes great Christian songs or whatever it is, things that feed us truth, that just remind us again of this relationship we're in with our shepherd the one who cares for us he provides for us in so many ways care and healing and nourishment and life just like a shepherd would tend to his sheep in those days it's all part of the gift of of knowing him said earlier we you know we all have leadership roles in our lives 
dads, moms, maybe a supervisor or a manager of some kind, or you may be a, a big brother or a big sister or whatever. You've got some kind of leadership role, some responsibility to watch over others. What do you suppose is more valuable and more influential in that role than your understanding of who your creator God is and what he's like? I mean, what is more important than that? And so in Scripture, God unfolds for us His heart, His character. With these illustrations, real-life scenarios, like back then everybody knew who a shepherd was, just like everyone here knows who an auto mechanic is. I mean, is that common? Everybody knew, and God said, I'm telling you certain things about myself through my son and through the fact that he is your shepherd. And you can know that he's committed to leading you and caring for you and protecting you and sacrificing for you. We're going to talk about that one in detail next week, but sacrificing for you. Like no one else can and no one else will. So that even though we have these human relationships and probably all of you would tell me about leaders that you're grateful for, people who are influential in your life and they led you in ways that were helpful and maybe even healing to you or taught you something you needed to know, some skill. And you can be thankful that that is a manifestation of behind it, the creator who made you and made that person to take care of you to help you. And then when they failed you, when they let you down, because I'm sure they did at times, if they lost patience with you, if they turned their back on you, if they took advantage of you or exploited you in some way, a sad, common human experience, even that points you to Christ as the ultimate shepherd who would never fail you in that way, who loves you perfectly from beginning to end. We, I'm so... Um, saddened and I don't I pray about this pretty frequently I don't really know what to do about it but I am so saddened about what's happening in our culture at all these leadership levels and you know the political back and forth and I'm not going to say much about that but just to say I, I hope that we can observe as that plays out before us I hope we can observe it for what it is a bunch of human beings flawed sinful human beings sometimes doing the best they can uh, sometimes doing the worst they can, I guess. It <laughs> seems like but human beings created by a good God in need of that very God. Not doing all that well without Him. And I hope we can see that on the large scale, see that playing out and be appropriately concerned and appropriately prayerful and even in opportunities we're given, speak the truth. Speak the truth as it is whether regard to the character of our Creator or even the design of what He has made that's so, when it's perverted and distorted as it is so flagrantly, flagrantly happening, it's just so destructive and so harmful. So as we see all that play out, that we can be ambassadors for the truth. And I think that begins with, and I'll, I'll finish on this point, I think the way to most appropriately do that, to be able to speak the truth in love, we just can't forget that we're still sheep. That we ourselves are still sheep. Because that's going to dictate the, the clarity with which we see things, the humility with which we convey things. It's going to dictate the tone with which we speak. All this coming from beginning with our understanding of and relationship with our shepherd. It is so important. It is so valuable. And so we, so we preach the gospel to one another, to ourselves, 
to remember God's kindness toward us in our flaws and our fallenness and our weaknesses. So let's keep that in mind. Let's pray and commit ourselves to God's perfect care and also to anticipate the weeks to come when we'll talk more about these other attributes of Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this reminder this morning in John chapter 10. Thank you for this illustration or metaphor of Jesus as the good shepherd. Help us to never lose sight of of our status as sheep-like. Lord, we're so proud and independent. We're so bullheaded and stubborn sometimes. And we have a hard time admitting just how directionless, defenseless, dependent, dirty, and even dumb we are. God, we're amazed that you love us. We're amazed that you've committed yourself to our safekeeping and care. We're amazed that you've assured us of eternal life. While there will be hardships in this world and you will let us stumble along and struggle and fall and hurt ourselves and hurt one another and even sometimes be victimized, you you allow that to happen and, and we don't like that, naturally. We don't like that, but you do have a good plan and you are committed to your people and you are up to good and you have assured us that we have eternal life and that we are ultimately safe in Christ and we couldn't be safer. You've assured us that our sins are forgiven, that our, that our sins, though they be like scarlet, they've been washed white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they have become like wool. Because of all that you have done, not anything that we have done, but all that you have done. And so we are here before you as these sheep, amazed to be loved by you, desiring to understand more, to hear your voice, to follow you. And along those lines, we we trust that you will continue leading us from the front. So help us to hear. Help us to follow. We give you all the praise and all the honor for what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will do. In Jesus' name I pray.